So let's dive into the Word of God this morning. Let me just pray so we can just focus in this moment on the Word of God. Heavenly Father, I thank you that our hearts would be wide open to what you want to speak for your Word today. Would you just anoint my words, Holy Spirit? Would you just add to what's not in my notes? Would you just speak what needs to be spoken to every individual in this place? Father, I thank you that you remove every distraction and that we would just focus in right now on your Word and what your Holy Spirit wants to speak to us today. So that it would bear an incredible harvest, not just today, but in future weeks and months to come. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Excellent. Well, before Easter, uh, we just finished a teaching series on uh, pathways, if you remember. And uh, we were talking for three weeks on different pathways, kingdom pathways, righteous pathways. Um, Taffy did a brilliant job. Nimi did a brilliant job. And we just looked at those different uh, pathways. And what we're looking at today, we're beginning a brand new series of teaching today that really fits into that. And I want you to know that at the start of the year, as we sat down and just said, God, what is it that you're speaking? You know, all of what we're, we're talking about on Sunday mornings is really building upon that Kairos moment that we were talking about and really is a vision for us as a church community this year in all of our locations that we are in a Kairos season and to make the most of this Kairos God moment we want to be making sure that we're walking on the right pathways now that really follows into this next series that we're going to be in over the next three weeks and so I'd really encourage you to be around for as much of this as you can be because a key part of walking on the right pathways is to walk in or to walk according to the will of God. So we're going to be looking at over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about the will of God, knowing what we mean by that phrase, the will of God, because the problem is, so often, I don't know how long you've been around in church, but the will of God is something that's almost been made to be a little bit mystical. Do, 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 do. What, what is the will of God? You hear people saying, you know, well, this is the will of God and that's the will of God. And, and as a pastor, one of the biggest questions that I've been asked is, what is the will of God for my life? That's something that we are searching for so often. And so it's so often this mystical thing, this thing that we can't get a handle on. We ask, what is the will of God for my life? Now, when we're talking about the will of God, we're just talking about his desires. His intentions for us. His purpose for us. How do I discover the will of God? How do I walk in the will of God? How do I know what God's will is when I have to make an important decision? And that may be as big as what I'm doing with my life, right down to the car you're buying, right down to something you're doing that that may seem insignificant. You can ask, what is the will of God? How do I discover the will of God for this area of my life? And so we're going to be talking about that in this series. But today, before we journey somewhere in terms of finding out the specific will of God for your life, how to discover the will of God through prayer and the Holy Spirit's role in that, and we'll look at all of that in the coming weeks, we want to start today by looking at God's revealed will. We're going to explain what we mean by that this morning, because we could just launch straight into, how do we find out what God's will is for this area of my life, or what is God saying about this in society, and all that kind of stuff Yet actually, before we go there, there's a whole lot of stuff that God has already said is his will. God has already said, this is my desire for you and how to live. And all we have to do to discover it is to open up our Bibles. You see, the Bible is God's will and testament. God has given us this written text that tells us what he wants done and how 
He wants it done. So Romans chapter 12, we'll begin in there this morning. That's our, our key verse for this series, and we'll keep coming back to this throughout the three weeks. Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 1, and these are very well-known verses, but I want you to read them again this morning as though it's fresh in your thinking. It says, Therefore I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. So Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he starts by saying we need to live our lives as sacrifices to God. And that can, especially if you're new to church, think, well, what on earth does that mean? But it's about living a lifestyle of worship. That worship, we need to understand, it is not just singing a nice song on a Sunday morning and then waiting to sing another nice song on the next Sunday morning. But actually, worship is about what we do in between those two songs. Worship is about the life that we live, where we honor God with the choices that we make and the life that we live. And part of that means deciding, I'm not going to conform to the world around me. Part of that means going on that pathway. Remember we talked about that pathway throughout our last series that's narrow, that's difficult terrain to walk on. And so not many are going down it, but it's a road that leads to life. Yet Jesus says there's another road that everybody else seems to be going on that's broad, it's easy, it's open, yet it's a way that leads to death. And so part of not conforming to the world around us is saying, I'm not going to go in that direction with everybody else. I'm going to choose to walk this narrow, at times difficult pathway, but this pathway that I know leads to life, even when it's not popular, even when everybody else is running in the opposite direction. And when we do that, Paul says we begin to understand what the will of God is, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I don't know about you, that sounds like something that I'm interested in. Something that's good and pleasing and perfect. So what I want to do this morning as a foundation is share a couple of examples of the will of God being expressed in his word. And then we're going to look at practically how we apply this to our lives. So let's look at a couple of examples. The first thing we need to understand is that God wants us to be people who seek to know and understand his will. It's not meant to be a mystery out there somewhere. God wants you to understand his will. Ephesians 5, 15 to 20. It says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what God's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, this local church. He says, if you want to walk with wisdom, if you want to make good choices, if you want to prosper in all areas of your life, if you want to be in health, spirit, soul, and body, and if you want to have great relationships, this life that God has for you, then we've got to be people who understand God's will so that we can be people who live true to it. Now, a good understanding of the will of God comes from a good knowledge of the word of God. We've got to understand that the two 
aren't separate, but God today will never go against what he's already spoken in his word. And so we can have different stances when it comes to reading the Bible. You may be somebody who, who never opens up your Bible, never reads the Bible, and God doesn't condemn you for that, but the reality is you'll never understand what the will of God is for your life and for your life in general. You could be somebody who reads the Bible religiously, legalistically. You feel you kind of have to. It's something that you were told once a Christian should do. So you read your Bible, but actually you're reading it from a stance that actually it's never going to make any difference to you. Or else you can be in a position where you say, this is my creator speaking to me, the God of the universe speaking to me about what his will and intention is for humanity and for my life personally. And so Paul gives us a few examples of that, which is God's will. He says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says to the church in Ephesus, and he says to us today as believers reading these verses today, don't be under the influence or the will of something like alcohol, but instead be filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. God's will is revealed. So if you're wondering, hmm, let me pray and fast this week. Is it God's intention and will for my life that I'm going to get completely smashed out my head next Friday night? You don't need to pray about it. You don't need to fast about it because God's made his will very clear. It's there in black and white concerning the will of God for your life. Paul also says worship to God is part of the will of God for your life. He says we've got to be people who give thanks continually for what we have instead of moaning about what we don't have. This is the revealed will of God for our lives. Okay, let's look at another example. Another part of the revealed will of God for our lives is that we should live lives that are pure and set apart. You can make the will of God this mystical thing out there somewhere, but it's there in black and white in written text that he has given us his will, which is that we would be pure and set apart. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3-5. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. So again, according to God's word, his revealed will, part of that will is that we would live sanctified lives. What does that mean? It means that we're set apart. It means that we remember what the church is. The church is ecclesia. It's sort of called out once. But we're called not to conform to the pattern of this world and to live like everybody else around us. But we're called, according to the revealed will of God, to be set apart and to live holy and blameless lives, pure lives, especially in these verses in the area of sexuality. That's why, again, you don't need to, and I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek, but it's a reality, you don't need to pray and fast about whether to visit that website. It's not God's will for you. That's why you don't need to think, should I stay up when my spouse has gone to bed and watch that movie that's going to lead me in a certain direction because it's not God's will for you. That's why when people say things like, well, I pray to God and God's told me to leave my partner and actually run off with this other person from work, that is not God's will. That's not God speaking to them because God will never go against today what he's spoken of in the past. Now you may say, well, hang on a minute, we have to get with the times. It's a different world today to back then. 
We've had the 60s, the swinging 60s, the sexual revolution. We, we now need to redefine normality. No, again, my response according to the revealed will of God is we define normal by his word, not the changing and moral society we live in. Amen? Amen. You've gone quiet. I mentioned sex in church. Ooh. <laughs> gone quiet okay let's move on so you feel a little bit more comfortable god's word shows us that his will is also this that we live a rejoicing prayerful and thankful life again i just want you to see how we can make the will of god this mystical thing out there it's there in black and white let's read this 1 thessalonians 5 16 to 18 rejoice always pray continually Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Three things that are listed there that the Bible says are God's revealed will for our lives. The first one, rejoicing. He says rejoice always. Now what does that mean? What does that look like? To rejoice is pretty simple. It's simply to live with joy. It's simply to express joy and that's where we need to again understand the massive difference between happiness and joy because happiness is all about what's going on in your world you know you will be happy if the workplace is easy and going well if your friendships are good if your marriage is in a good place if your finances are healthy if your uh, physical health is good and you're not in you you will be happy but that happiness can leave you so easily emotionally when things are a little bit harder, when things aren't going great, when um, you know, stuff blows up in your house. and uh, You know those moments where everything seems to be going wrong all at the same time? Happiness can leave you in those moments. But he's not talking about happiness, he's talking about joy. Joy is something that cannot be taken away. Joy is something that is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And what it means when we display joy in all seasons is that we're being led by the Holy Spirit in our response to the things that are going on around us. So the Apostle Paul says, you know what? The will of God is that you would experience joy. That's why he could be in a Roman prison cell and write this letter to the Philippians. You read it in Philippians 4 verse 4 where he said, rejoice. And again I say, rejoice. Why? Because... He was somebody, I doubt he was happy in that moment. You read through what actually was going on. He was chained to a Roman guard. There would have, you know, historians and theologians believe that the sewage system actually ran under where he was. It wasn't a, a place to be happy, but he was joy-filled because he understood that was the will of God for his life. Praying is the will of God for our lives. Pray continually. It's God's will for us that we would pray continually. Now again, that doesn't mean that we give up our jobs, we ignore everyone around us, we hide ourselves in a prayer closet, and that's it for the rest of our lives. This is about knowing that we have been called to continual prayer rather than just moments of prayer. Now, of course, moments of prayer are good. I'm not saying we shouldn't have those. Jesus, you read through the Gospels, took himself away and would pray to God the Father. It's great to have moments when we pray, moments of devotion in the morning and evening, however it works for you. And you pray one-on-one -on -one with God or as a group, as a church community, we come together and we corporately pray for God to move in our, in, in our generation. Those are important things. But we can't just live off moments of prayer. God's desire was we would be in a lifestyle of prayer where we can pray to God at any given moment. You could be driving a car, you could be about to go into a meeting. You can pray to God and you can also hear from God through the Holy Spirit, a lifestyle of prayer. And then he gives us another one, giving thanks. 
Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, notice Paul says, give thanks in all things. He doesn't say give thanks for all things. Right? There's things that we can't bring ourselves to thank God for because they're not offered by God. I'm not going to thank God for cancer. I'm not going to thank God for, I don't know, starvation going on around the world. But the will of God is that we would know what it is to be thankful in all things, in all seasons. So we're starting to see there's, there's a pattern here that there may be the specific will for our lives that we can go and search of through prayer and, and seeking God, but we've got to understand that there's already so much that God has revealed to us about his will. And your specific will that God has for your life will never contradict what he's already revealed in his word. If you're ever confused, is this God's will for me? If it doesn't line up with what he's already spoken in his word, it is not God's will for you. So there's God's revealed will for how he wants us to live. But then I want us to see there's also God's will revealed in his word about more general things that he desires and intends. 2 Peter 3 verse 9. Let's just turn there. You still with me this morning? We're just laying this foundation. 2 Peter 3 verse 9. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So according to God's revealed will, his word, part of that will is that no one would perish. So if we're saying that, it's a good idea to actually know what it means that none would perish, right? And that is an eternal thing, but it also has an effect on the here and now of humanity. Because when we understand that, of course, there's an eternal ramification to this for anybody who's saved or experiences salvation through placing their faith in Jesus and his finished work on the cross, they receive an eternal salvation that redirects their life from eternity, a lost eternity in hell without God, to an eternity in heaven where they eternally experience the presence and the fullness of God. Now, when we understand that, it should cause us to preach the gospel to those that we meet. It should cause us in our own way to reach out to the lost around us in our workplace, in our family setting, in our friendship circles, knowing that it is God's will that none should perish eternally. But then, there's also this salvation that has an impact in the here and now for people when it comes to healing and deliverance. Because when you look at the original meaning of that word for salvation, it's this word sozo, S-O-Z-O, and it contains far more than our eternal salvation. Listen to this definition. It means to protect, to keep alive, to preserve life, to deliver, to heal, to be made whole. So wholeness, spirit, soul, and body, is God's will. Even Jesus, when he came to the earth, his name represented something of God's will. His name, derived from Joshua, means the Lord is salvation. So God's will for the lost is that they would not perish, but that they would be saved through repentance. God's will for the sick is that they would not perish, but that they would be healed and made whole. Amen. What we see Jesus do in the Gospels can be our foundation for what we can expect today. Revelation 19.10 says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What he did then, we can expect for him to do today. Okay, let's bring in 
some application because I wanted to lay that foundation knowing that when you open up your Bible you will see there's God's revealed will here, there's God's revealed will there, it can be personal, it can be general but here's what we need to understand that if we want to walk in the will of God then our first step is to read the Bible. Right, if you take nothing else away from today, I know that's incredibly simple, but it's amazing how often as Christians and followers of Jesus Christ, we don't do the simple things, and then we wonder what the will of God is for our life. God's already made parts of his will very clear. So I want to throw out some questions in the time that we've got left this morning. And I hope that these will encourage you, but also position you to be in a place where you're walking in the will of God for your life. The first question is this, and this is rhetorical. Are we reading God's word? Okay, you don't need to No, yes. Are we reading God's word? Are we reading the Bible? And I ask that not from a judgmental spirit, but just from the, the pure reality and common sense that actually without reading God's word, you won't discover aspects of God's word. So is the Bible something you search for on a Saturday evening when you think, oh, I've got church tomorrow and everyone else comes with these massive Bibles, so I best find my Bible. Where's my Bible? Or is it something that is your daily bread? Now, I know we're at different places with this, and maybe that's based on how long you've been a follower of Jesus. None of this is about condemnation or judging. All I'm trying to encourage you is to position yourself where you're reading more of God's Word. And you know what? That's incredibly practical. Because sometimes we make this so you know, theory-based, and this is how you read God's Word. But actually, it's, it's incredibly practical. It can look like you may have to get up a little bit earlier. <gasps> Some of you are like, oh, no, I don't like that. I don't like the sound of that. Well, if you want God's will for your life and revealed will, then maybe it means getting up a little bit earlier. Okay, if you're not a morning person, maybe it looks like switching off the telly slightly earlier, 15 minutes earlier than you normally do, and banking that time to actually be in the Word of God to read the revealed will of God. <laughs> Maybe it looks like setting an alarm on your phone. But when that alarm goes off, you know that actually that's a moment to read a few verses of Scripture. And I know the religious amongst us just now, when I said a few verses, you're like, only a few verses? That's not very much. Well, better a few verses than nothing at all, right? Come on, let's get practical about this, because we can talk about the revealed will of God. If we don't up, open up our Bibles, we'll never actually discover what the will of God is for our lives. So here's my question. How will you position yourself to read more of God's word this week? It may look like joining a connect group where you can read in community. It may look like downloading a Bible app and doing a reading plan by yourself or with somebody else. How will you position yourself to read more of God's word this week? The second question is this. If you are reading God's word, how are you reading it? Now again, I'm not talking practicality, you know, on my iPad, or this. I'm not talking about translation. I'm talking about your heart posture when it comes to reading it. That you can read the word of God and get nothing from it because you're reading it legalistically. You're reading it religiously because you feel like, oh, to be a good follower of Jesus, I need to read enough verses every morning and then that's okay. But actually, it's not making any difference to your life. You can read it for theological knowledge. You, you know, maybe it interests you and you like to know what the battle was, where it was and what this meant and what this word means. And You can study all you like, the scriptures, but actually if you're reading it with a heart posture of just knowing more for knowledge's sake, it's not going to make a difference to your life. Or you can read it with desire, wanting to discover more of a will of God for your life, both in general and specifically for your life. So a heart posture is so important when we read the Word of God. And here's the last question I want to throw out to you. Are you doing God's Word? 
Are you doing the word of God? Because I often say something to, to people and the initial shock, they, I can see it in their face because it's a pastor saying to them, but this is a reality. Reading the Bible won't change your life. I've shared on this before. Reading the Bible will not change your life. And if you're new here today, I'm not preaching heresy. You're like, I thought we had to read the Bible. Yeah, it's a good thing to do. But reading the Bible won't change your life. Doing something about what you read will. That's a massive difference because it's only when you do something about what you read or hear that it will have an impact in your life. I've met many people who know the Bible inside out. They have read every verse on forgiveness. They know all the verses on forgiveness in every single translation. They could quote you the Greek for the word offense. They could do all of that and yet they're still gripped by unforgiveness. Because it's one thing to know what the word says, it's another thing to actually do what the word says. And you can be in church year after year after year, know a whole lot of stuff but never actually apply it in your life. It will make no difference at all. You, you can know everything there is to know about what the Bible says about relationships. You can know how to parent, you can know how to be a good husband or wife, you know how to be a good friend, you know how to be all these things in terms of relationships, but until you apply it in your life, it's just theory, it doesn't actually make a difference to your everyday life. You can know all that the Bible has to say about finances, and the Bible says a lot about finances. You can know all of those scriptures, and yet if you're never applying anything that the Word of God says into your life about finances, you'll never be in that area of financial peace and security. You can know everything about what the Bible has to say about this gift that God has given to us called sex. But if we don't know how to apply what God's Word says about how to handle this gift, then we won't live in the fullness of it, we'll be corrupted by it. Again, we can know Scripture inside out. You could have a theological degree here today, and if you're not applying the Word of God, it will make no difference to your life. And what we learn in reading the New Testament is that it's one thing to read the Word of God or to hear the Word of God, but God's greatest desire is that we wouldn't just hear it or read it, but we would live it out. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus is just spoken what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. He's spoken about so many different aspects of life, so many different things. And this is what he says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. Everybody say wise man. Who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat the house, against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. How many remember the A-team with Mr. T? Yeah, he had this phrase. Actually, it wasn't in the A-team. It was in the film Rocky, but he would say, pity the fool, right? And, and Jesus said it before him, probably not in the same way that he said it. You can have your theological discussion about that over lunch, whether he sounded like Mr. T. But Jesus was saying, pity the fool. Pity the fool who hears all this stuff and never actually puts it into practice. I think he'd say today, pity those who come to family church every single week, hear the word of God, open up their Bibles and connect group, read it by themselves and never actually put into practice what they read. The message paraphrase, which isn't a translation, it's just a paraphrase, but listen to these words. It says, these words I speak to you, 
are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life upon. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house because it was fixed to the rock. I love this next bit. But if you use my words in Bible studies, but don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. It's not enough to read or to hear or even to know what God's will for us is. We need to do his will in our lives. That's why you can have somebody who's been a follower of Jesus for 50 years, has read the Bible inside out, and yet their life doesn't look that much different from when they got saved 50 years ago. Yet you can have somebody else who got saved six weeks ago and yet they're just applying everything, everything that God's saying. Okay, I'll try that. Okay, if that's what you're saying, God, I'll do that. And you see their life transform before everyone's eyes, radically transform. What's the difference? One is reading. Both of them are reading and hearing the word of God. It's only one that is pulling it into practice. And sometimes the truth is we don't need to hear another message. We don't need to listen to another podcast, of an endless podcast. We don't need to go to another Bible study. We don't need to come out for more prayer. We don't need to go to another Christian conference. Now, don't mishear me. All of those things are good to do. But sometimes you need to stop doing any of those and actually just do one thing. Do the Word of God that you're already filled with and the Holy Spirit has already spoken to you so many times. So a few decades later after Jesus did this, James, the brother of Jesus, was writing a letter to some persecuted Christians who'd been spread apart. And he spoke along the same lines. He put it this way, James 1.22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. It's not enough to know the will of God and then ignore it. Or even worse, to walk contrary to what the will of God is for your life we must live out the will of God for our lives so my final question as I wrap up is simply this how can you apply the word of God this week you maybe have been reading aspects in God's word God maybe through the Holy Spirit has been reminding you of different things or you know as you've been reading God's word he's speaking to you over and over again about a certain subject or a certain issue But you know what? You can read it all you want, but unless you apply it, it will make no difference to your life. How can you apply the Word of God this week? Now, next week, we're going to move on to talk about the perfect will of God for your life, the permissive will and the perfect will. And if you've ever had questions on that, I want to encourage you, make sure you are here next week because we're going to be talking about what is the perfect will of God for your life? How do you discover it? All this stuff that people ask so many questions about so often. But before we do any of that, I wanted to lay this foundation. God has already revealed so much of his will for your life in his word. Let's just close our eyes and pray as we wrap up this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that so often we walk around life saying, what does God think about this? God, what's your plan for this area of my life? Yet the reality is we have it in your word. So Father, I just pray first and foremost practically that you would enable us to put practical things in place to to read more of your word. 
Father, I pray for a growing desire that we would be people of your word. Lord, I, I pray that you remove distractions this week for those people who say, oh, I'm going to start reading the word now or, or then or however they're going to do it. Father, as distractions come, Father, I pray that you would just cause people to remove distractions and to focus on your word. Father, I thank you that as people read the word this week, that it would come alive, Father through your Holy Spirit, that, that it wouldn't just be Logos, it would be Rhema in people's lives, that people maybe read passages that they've read many times before, but it's going to come alive. Would you enable people, Lord, to spiritually see as they're reading your word, Father, that it would make sense to them. Father, things that haven't made sense before would make sense and it would come alive for them. Father, I thank you that there'd be people who would be able to encourage them and support them in their journey. But Father, I also pray that you would give us the courage and the strength through your Holy Spirit to put into practice what it is we know that you are speaking to us about through your word. Whatever area of our life that may be, God, I pray that we would be obedient and responsive to your word. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. I just want to do one more thing before we finish and we grab some food together. If you're here and you've never made a decision for Jesus, or maybe you're here and you've wandered away from him, and you say, you know what, today I want to recommit my life to him or today I want to, for the very first time, give my life to him. I want to be a follower of Jesus or I want to come back home if you once were. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that and we're not going to embarrass you, but we're just going to give you that opportunity this morning. So while every eye remains closed, if that's you and you say, yeah, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus today. I want to know about this God that we've sung about. I want that relationship with him. Or you say, I'm coming back to begin a new relationship. Do you know what? It doesn't matter what's been and gone. This is a fresh start today. This is a fresh opportunity today by God's grace. So if that's you, then here's something I want you to do really simple while every eye remains closed, just so I can pray for you. Would you just do something very simple for me? On a count of three, I just want you to put your hand up in the air and you can put it back down. I want to be able to pray for you this morning. You ready? One, two, three. If that's you, just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand back down. Thank you. Anybody else join this person? Say, yeah, I, I, I want to give my life to Jesus for the first time or recommit my life to him today. Okay, let me pray. Father, I just thank you for this person. Father, I thank you that you just, Holy Spirit, just awaken every single area of this person's life. Holy Spirit, thank you for what this decision this morning, Lord, the best decision that any person can make. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you would just surround this person with good people who would just encourage them, teach them your word. And Father, I thank you that there's going to be such a joy in their life as they walk out this new life that you have for them. Father, I thank you that it is not your will that any should perish. And I thank you that you came to give us life and life in all its fullness. Thank you, Lord, that we would step into this new week living in that abundant life that you have for us. Amen and amen. Come on, give him praise this morning for his words.